Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Hotcast, where we preview Villa's third game in eight days, with this one falling at the hands of Crystal Palace. And as the news has just broken, live on air whilst recording this, that Philippe Coutinho has signed a four-year deal to make his stay at V6 permanent. We hope that his first game as an official Aston Villa player on Sunday against Palace leads to the victory. On this occasion, I'm with Dan from the HLTCO podcast. How are you, Dan? I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. More excited that we've got another game coming this weekend. Obviously, Villa only playing on Tuesday. Two two home games in a week. Um, let's let's look forward towards the game. We've got Villa in twelfth on forty three points, and then Palace just a place above and point above on forty four points. In short, how have you made of Palace's season so far? I think it's. I mean, I obviously can't speak for every single Crystal Palace fan, but I think the vast majority of us, it's gone above any of our expectations, really. Obviously, you know, going into the summer last year, we we knew Roy Hodgson would be leaving the football club. And that, whilst it was the right time, I think, from everyone's point of view, there was still a degree of the unknown. So, you know, to take a, a genuine gamble with Patrick Vieira was something that was exciting, obviously, but you're never really sure how these things are going to pan out. But I think, you know, the football that we've played, the results that we've had, the, the business that we've done in the transfer market, it's all been extremely positive. And, you know, the, the best thing from Palace's point of view is that it feels like the beginning of something rather than the climax, if you see what I mean. Yeah, 100%. And um, we'll touch more on Patrick Vieira in a short while. Um Villa, obviously, as mentioned, lost 2-1 to Liverpool, which is their first defeat in three games, whereas Palace are currently unbeaten in three. I was thinking, oh, maybe this isn't the best time to play Palace due to your your good form at the moment and your high place in the table. And I I was having a look at our our head-to-head record and I actually found a stat that says Aston Villa haven't done the double over Palace since 1980. And obviously, we've been in different leagues at those times, but we've had 13 opportunities and we failed to do so. So um, I don't think any time is really a great time to play Palace, especially when we've we've already beaten you first off in the season. Let's let's go back to that game earlier on in the season. Obviously, it was still early in Steve and Gerrard's reign at the club. He was still finding his feet and getting to grips. How did you make of Villa in that one? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I remember specifically watching it at Sellers and being... I wouldn't say surprised, but being genuinely impressed with how I felt he'd almost immediately changed your style of play. Because from memory, you were very combative. Uh, you clearly had a, a very solid game plan. And it was, I just don't know, it was a bit more streetwise and savvy than I've come to expect from Aston Villa in recent years. And I think that's probably one of his biggest selling points as a manager, really. Obviously, his time at Rangers saw him managed to secure that title after so long 
uh, waiting for another one. And I think, obviously, I can't speak from a Villa fan's point of view who watches Villa every week, but it certainly feels to me as though that game and, and the months that have passed since have seen you develop a bit more of a, a, a tougher edge. And I think it probably allows you to stay in games a lot more than you would have done previously, or at least that's my read of it. Yeah, I know. I think you summed us up perfectly there. I've been banging the drum about needing to be more street smart for a long, long time until Gerard came in. Um, now, there's three games left for Palace this season. You've got Villa, Everton and Manchester United. What would you like to expect for the rest of the season? And is there anywhere that you'd like to finish? Obviously, you've got hopes of finishing in the top half of the table. Patrick Vieira's first season in charge. It would be amazing. Are your hopes different to your expectations or what would you like to see come of those last three games? Well, I mean, obviously, they're tricky games, all three of them, because on paper, we could hypothetically win all three. But at the same time, you know, you look at the game on Saturday against yourselves, you know, Villa at home, off in my mind, a genuinely good performance against Liverpool. Then we've got Everton away. They're going to be fighting for their lives. And Manchester United's form, particularly away from home, is poor, but it's still Manchester United. So from my point of view, anything is really possible from those three games. The beauty of it from our perspective is that we've got a real level of comfort in terms of our league position. I think my main hope, really, between now and the end of the campaign is that we can maintain positive goal difference because as far as I'm aware... Crystal Palace have never finished the Premier League season with positive goal difference across the entire campaign. And at the moment, we're sitting, I think, on plus four. Uh, so from my point of view, it's just about maintaining that because I think it's probably a pretty solid barometer of how the season has gone under Patrick Vieira, really. Yeah, massively. I mean, looking at your defence, you've got Mark Gahey coming in from Chelsea and... Um... Anderson coming in from Fulham, who was previously relegated the year before. You've had Tyreek Mitchell, who's made a massive impact so far. And if you look at the start of the season, you wouldn't have really imagined that that would be such a consistent and strong defence. Let's take a look over to Patrick Vieira quickly. 35 games, 10-1 and 14 drawn. And you've got 10 more draws than Villa so far this season. Is one of his strong points the fact that if you're losing a game, you managed to be able to draw it instead of losing to get those extra points on the board because I mean I for one when when Vieira came in and the squad that he was left with I imagined Palace to really struggle this season I thought that it would be a really long season for you and I actually think I had you to go down at the start of the season as a lot of neutrals did but he's completely turned the tide around at Palace you know he's put faith in youth Elise coming in, talks of him signing a new contract soon, and he's been a massive hit, as well as Conor Gallagher coming in on loan, Gehi and Mitchell, like I, like I mentioned. The thing I see from Vieira as a neutral is that he, he seems to understand the club and he, he manages to unite the fans so well. How's it been for you since he's come in? Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on, really. I, obviously, I, I mean, I understand why neutrals and bookmakers alike had us to be relegated because, you know, he's never worked in the Premier League prior to this as a manager. It's a big test. But it was very difficult towards the end of Roy Hodgson's reign as Palace boss for us to sort of explain to neutrals why we were so ready for a change because you had so many saying, you know, be careful what you wish for, your Crystal Palace, what do you expect? You know, he's keeping you in the Premier League. But I think we all knew that, 
the squad was was right for a changing of the guard and, and a lowering in terms of the age profile. And Roy Hodgson was just not the man to do that. Uh, you've mentioned Mark Gay and Joachim Anderson as well as Elise. You know, these players arrived very, very quickly after Patrick Vieira became manager. And I think, aside from the fact that he didn't have, I suppose, the managerial CV uh, to command respect, his playing career is something that holds a lot of weight with a large number of footballers because they've grown up and seen him be part of that invincible Arsenal side and win the World Cup of France. And I think there was real excitement to sort of play for him, for Crystal Palace in the Premier League. And as you say, he just gets the football club. He appears to really buy into the whole South London ethos. It's something that's quite difficult to explain to people that aren't fans of the club or people that live around South London. But we are very combative by nature is probably the wrong way of putting it. But we, we are very sure of ourselves. We have a huge amount of pride in our area. Uh, and he really has you know jumped into it with both feet and, and seems to really be loving his time at the club. So it, it's just a real level of synergy, really, between the fans, the players, the management and, and even the ownership. And it's just, as I said, on my own podcast, I think this morning, you know, I've never really been as happy as a Crystal Palace fan as I am right now. Wow, that's a massive statement to make. Um, right, let's let's stick with the youth a little bit here. So you've got Conor Gallagher, obviously, on loan from Chelsea. He, he did really well at West Brom last season, couldn't manage to quite keep them up. But he's he's just gone on and excelled this year, as well as Tyreek Mitchell and Mark Gahey all making their England debuts down to their Palace stints. How much has Patrick Vieira played a part in progressing them as footballers and people as well to be able to excel them to the highest step of their football careers? I mean, I think obviously all three are different individuals and have different strengths. Conor Gallagher, for me, has, has certainly gone up a level in terms of his performances compared to his loan spell at West Brom. I mean, I remember speaking to a lot of West Brom fans over the summer when he arrived and there were a fair few comments saying he was a bit of a headless chicken. There was a lot of effort, but not a lot of end product. And obviously that has proven to not be the case with us. Mark Gahey is an absolute Rolls Royce of a centre-back. I I can't put into words how calm and how good that guy is. You know, I, I was saying to someone the other day, you look at Harry Maguire, you, you look at Raphael Varane, you look at a number of centre-backs that are playing for supposedly top clubs. And I'm not, you know, gilding the lily at all when I say this. I wouldn't have any of them above Mark Gahey. I think his reading of the game is something that is just incredible for his age. I mean, he's already been given the armband pretty sporadically uh, by Patrick Vieira this season. I would imagine he will go on to be named uh, official club captain this summer. But I think he was he was ready for the opportunity to play in the Premier League. We've just given him that platform. Tyreek Mitchell has come on leaps and bounds. Obviously, he was given his debut by Roy Hodgson. Uh, but over the summer, Patrick van Aanholt left the football club. There was a lot of speculation about whether or not uh, we were going to need another left-back to come in. But Patrick Vieira has just put his faith fully in Tyreek. Uh, and he has passed every single test that has been thrown his way. And, and long may that continue, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how you spoke about Gay here, you know, that's that's some high praise and and he deserves it because I've seen a quite a bit of Palace this season and to think that they'd be so solid defensively when, you know, it's a completely new back four and sometimes when there's so many signings or new players coming in, playing together, it can take a while to adjust. But it seemed like from the off that 
Vieira has you playing in such a compact way that you don't really look like conceding. From an outsider's point of view, I used to see Palace as, well, if they were winning and a team got a goal back, then Palace would sit on the back foot and they'd really succumb to the pressure. But this season, you know, it's just been completely different. And obviously, sat in sat in 11th at the moment, you'll have you'll have those hopes to push on and keep this form going on to next season. And talking about next season, obviously, Vieira's third transfer window as Palace boss. I saw you linked with Aaron Wan-Bissaka recently. Um, Lewis O'Brien from Huddersfield to go into that centre mid spot is another one. And then the third one that I've put on my list is seeing if you can retain Conor Gallagher. How likely are those transfers to happen? Is there anyone else that you have your eye on or who has been leaked in, linked in recent weeks? And what would you like to see from the club going forward this summer? I think um, the Aaron Wambasaka transfer is something that I can genuinely see happening. Obviously, a large uh, degree of speculation comes in relation to Eric Ten Hag and exactly how he views that Manchester United squad. But I think, you know... <laughs> There's a certain synergy between that particular storyline and Wilfred Zaha, who, of course, went to Manchester United from Palace. It didn't work out and he came back. I personally think Aaron is still a very, very good defensive right back. I think he's probably just had the confidence sucked out of him massively at Old Trafford, as so many players have. And I wouldn't back against the thought of him coming back to Palace and, and flourishing once more. Um, Conor Gallagher, I, I, I know there is hope from the hierarchy that we can bring him back either on loan or on a permanent basis, particularly with the Winter World Cup, because obviously he's going to want regular starts and minutes and, and may not get that at Chelsea. Uh, but the amount of central midfielders we've been linked to already, without the window even being open, suggests to me that we're making a pretty strong contingency plan to not have him in the squad next season. Uh, one player that keeps on cropping up is Czech Decore from Lund. I know, I think Aston Villa have actually put a bid in for him previously and there's a lot of interest from other Premier League clubs. Spurs have been named as well. But I'm hoping that, you know, the Vieira pull and the fact that he is the French legend and, and the guy that won that World Cup might well be a difference maker there. Personally as well, I would like to see another centre-back come in as backup to Mark Gahey and Joachim Anderson because although you've got the likes of James Tompkins and Czech Koyate, the, the sort of unique selling point of Gay and Anderson is that they're so confident on the ball and so comfortable in possession. And, and without that uh, backup option that can sort of slot in and play a similar style of football, it sort of hamstrings us in terms of the way that we can operate as an 11 tactically. So I would imagine they are uh, pretty key positions. Obviously, there are other minor ones, but I would have thought they were the three key areas for strengthening this summer. Yeah, definitely. Um, would you take Would you take Tarkovsky at Palace? Could you Could you see him making the move? I could. Obviously, a lot depends on exactly how Burnley go about their summer. You know, we don't know who's going to become their manager. I saw today Joey Barton being linked all of a sudden. Uh, I think he went from forty to one to six to one or something, and that would be some story if he was to go there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the problem with all of these summer transfer rumours is that, you know, you get these names thrown at you. You don't know whether there's any legs to it. You don't even know if if the club wants to do anything with those players. But I mean, I like James Tarkovsky. I always have. It's just a case of, you know, making sure they fit because a lot of what Patrick Vieira 
and the rest of the recruitment staff have spoken about ever since he arrived is having the right characters. And I think that's a huge part of our transfer policy. It's not just, you know, they're a good footballer, they can fit in with the tactics. They want particularly young footballers that can be moulded and grow underneath the coaching staff that are there now. So he probably wouldn't fit in in terms of the age profile, but obviously his Premier League career to date would put him as an outstanding candidate. Yeah, you mentioned just about how you go about your business. And I think, obviously, you, you'll have watched it and I watched it as well. The um, Amazon documentary on Palace that came out earlier this season. And it really opened my eyes just to not only how a football club can work, but how unique Palace is and how it is there for the fans. You see so often now that, you know, football clubs go off and into their almost business bubbles and the industries that they're in and they forget about just exactly where they came from but it seems as though Palace has has never really shied away from from the fans that make it who they are I mean Selhurst Park has one of the best atmospheres in in Europe let alone in England and I do think that really helps you at times this season one that I can remember is when you when you beat Spurs and Edward scored two on his debut you know the place was absolutely bouncing Obviously, you'd hope that you can finish this season on a high with just three games to go. You're in touch of breaking into the top half of the table. What are your hopes for next season? How do you see that Patrick Vieira can progress this team even further? I think it's such a, or has been such a dramatic departure in terms of the style of football, because obviously when Roy Hodgson was here, and it's no fault of his, you know, he worked with the tools he was given, we were quite a defensive unit and, you know, we used to play on a counter-attack. We didn't have much of the ball uh, and it was sort of football by numbers. But to see such a dramatic and successful turnaround in terms of the tactical approach in just 12 months has been remarkable. Uh, and Wilfred Zaha mentioned this the other day. You know, he said for all of these players, this is their first year playing in this way together and to see how far we've come and how good the football already is. The hope is that, you know, with another summer transfer window under our belt, another year of these young players bedding in, uh, the entire thing will just go on at a pace. Uh, and I think, you know, as, as we've already mentioned, the transfer policy is very much to sign players of 24 years old or younger uh, and allow them the sort of platform to really showcase their skills in the Premier League. We've obviously signed as a and Michael Elise in back-to-back summers, you've got the young player of the year in the championship two years in a row there. And, you know, as much as it looks like an obvious transfer after the event, you've still got to take the gamble on these guys. And that's what we've done. And, you know, we're, we're reaping the rewards now. But I think my hope is that next season sees us retain all the players that we've got, unless the ones that we, you know, want to move on for contract issues or anything else and really grow in terms of the style of football that we've already begun playing this year. Yeah, definitely. I think from a Palace perspective, if you can almost just carry on going under the radar slightly, I think that will I think that will suit you really well. Let's shift our focus slightly now. We've we've stayed on transfers and in the last 15 20 minutes or so Villa have announced that they're making their Coutinho loan deal permanent for around 17 million pounds. Um, what's your thoughts on that? How have you seen, what have you seen from him since January and how do you think that will play out in the long term? I think it's a fantastic move for both Coutinho and Villa, to be honest. I mean, I remember when 
the deal was initially announced and, and there was a huge outpouring of excitement and happiness from Villa fans. Obviously, Steven Gerrard has played a pivotal role in getting Philip Coutinho to the football club and, and obviously in convincing him to sign permanently. But, you know, from my point of view, the, the Grealish saga over the summer, the fact that he left for Manchester City, I didn't really feel as though it was going to have an enormous impact on your style of play because I knew the money would be invested to sort of make the squad stronger as a whole. But I think Coutinho sort of satisfies that need for a spark and somebody that can change a game in, in a flick of a switch, if you see what I mean. Uh, and he really... I mean, I'm, I'm quite big on this. I, I say the same about managers. Often, if you get players of, of Coutinho's sort of style and they're on the way up, you know, even as a club of Aston Villa's stature, that you will be a stepping stone. Whereas now, you've got Philip Coutinho at a point in his career where he's played the Liverpools, he's played for Barcelona, he's done that. He's at Aston Villa, he feels loved, he feels content and potentially you can get the best out of him in a in a very happy and stress-free way for two or three years and, and really, you know, see him kick on. And I think that's probably what will happen. That's really funny, actually, because you've pretty much just echoed everything that Gerard said about how he needs to be loved as a player and that feeling belonging is almost half of the factor of whether he can produce the big performances because he he just didn't get that at Barcelona, especially when Lionel Messi was still there. You know, he was very much playing in a Lionel Messi system, whereas at Villa and at Liverpool, because it was the Philip Coutinho show and most of the eyes were on him, he was able to flourish and and nurture himself in that role more. Let's let's stay on Villa for a bit. Um Obviously, it's always interesting to hear a neutral's thoughts on your club. Um, we've we've been through a lot this season: change of managers, change of formations. We've had some good runs. We've had some really really poor runs. We've had five losses in a row twice um, under two different managers. What have you made of Villa's season so far? Obviously, as you've mentioned, it's difficult to really say with any degree of certainty where you should be in the table. You know, you find yourselves, as you said, one point behind us. And we've sort of got there through different methods, really. I think if you look at Palace compared to Villa, we've been far more consistent in our performances, whereas you've had these peaks and troughs. I look at Steven Gerrard. I think it's a very good fit for your football club. Obviously, it was a leap of faith for him to leave that Rangers job because even though, you know, financially... Aston Villa are far further up the football in the food chain than Rangers. They've got this, this level of history. They're fighting for titles every year. They're in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, for me, it was a brave move from Steven Gerrard and one which he knew was going to inflame a lot of people, but he did it anyway. Uh, and, I mean, from my point of view, I look at it and I think if he has a full summer transfer window in which he gets two or three players that he really wants and trusts, and he has a full summer where the whole tactical approach can be refined and honed, then, you know, there's no reason to suggest that you couldn't go to the levels a little bit above what Wolves had this season. Obviously, you look at Wolves the last few weeks and they've fallen off in terms of their form. But there was a point a couple of months ago where everyone was sort of thinking, you know, you for conference or you look at West Ham, for example, and their European football adventure over the last year or two. I don't see any reason why with the financial backing that Steven Gerrard is no doubt going to get, he couldn't aim for that in the not-too-distant future. But I don't think there'll be any issues with you know, relegation battles. The squad's too good already, and, and I don't think you're going to rest on your laurels this summer. But 
as we all know, it's a case of getting things to click. And it's not just about putting expensive players in the right place. There has to be a tactical identity that everyone buys into. And I think he will probably hone that over the summer. I mean, I mean that's certainly sweet to hear from an outsider's point of view. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, so many, so many people think that money equals success in football. But I mean, Villa, you look at Villa, they're probably the one of the biggest cases along with Everton as that's just not how it works and just how wrong it can go. Um, were you at Selhurst Park for the reverse fixture? You're a season ticket holder, right? Yeah, yeah, I was there, yeah. Yeah, so um, obviously Villa came out trumps on this occasion. How can you see this one going at Villa Park? Are you going to the game? I'm not going this weekend, no. I haven't done a great deal of away games this year, purely because personal life sort of got in the way, to be honest with you. But um, I I don't know. I I look at this particular game, it, it sort of becomes more difficult to call because there's not anything really on it, if you see what I mean. There is, in terms of, what is it, 2.5 million per place. But it's not as though either team is fighting for European football. They're not fighting relegation. You know, you're going to finish somewhere between 10th and 14th, probably. So, you know, you, you look at the two teams. We've already mentioned Coutinho. You look at us with Zaha, Elise, Eze. There are match winners in both teams if if they have the rubber to green that day. And as a consequence... I mean, I, I look at Everton, for example, and I think they'll be so bang up for it that regardless of how we go into that, the intensity will probably be too much for us. I look at Manchester United and think the reverse and think we'll probably get three points against them. But in terms of this particular game this weekend, I genuinely wouldn't really be able to call it one way or the other. And would probably, if I was pressed, go for a draw rather than a win one way or the other, really. Ah, uh, there you go. I am going to press you. If you could give me a score prediction, what what would I'll it go, be? I'll go 1-1, one, one, I think. 1-1, one, one score draw, yeah? Yeah. Right, okay, brilliant. So, um, now normally, to round off the podcast, I ask a non-football-related question, which is then passed forward from the week from the previous week so for example we had a Burnley fan on last time who asked a question forward to a Liverpool fan uh, but we didn't actually have a Liverpool preview so I'm gonna ask my own question this time um, and and see the answer you get it's been doing the rounds on social media recently I don't know if you've seen it but with um, Erling Haaland's move to City the question was asked, if you were given a starting place in your football team, let's go for Palace. If you were given a starting place in your football team, you played every minute of the season, you weren't subbed off every cup game. How many goals do you at your physical state right now realistically think you'd score besides penalties and free kicks? In any position? Let's, let's say you're a striker. Okay. Right. How, how many goals do you think you'd get? Because Edward came in this season. He's currently on six goals and three assists. And Mateta, who had that purple patch just a few weeks ago, is on four goals and one assist. Given the service you'd be provided by, by the other pros around you, if you could get yourself think, into the box. I think with, with Michael Elise and Wilf and Ebbs, I'd I I, I bag myself for three or four, you know. Would you? Just to be a poacher. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't even need to move, really. I'd just stay... Stay on side and just be there, be there for the rebounds. I, and I, I mean, I'm not going to go mad. I'm not going to say double figures. But I'll say three or four. All about I'll positioning, yeah. Yeah, at 33 years old, you can't be running too much. <laughs> so you'd back yourself to get the same amount of goals as John Philip Mateta. You know, I, I rate it completely. You can play for the first three or four months, really. So yeah. yeah. 
No, I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, okay, so we who have Villa got off the top of my head next week? We've got Burnley again, and I don't know if it's going to be the same, the same person that we have on, but if you had to ask a non-football-related question forward, what would it be? Uh, what about Burnley? Non-football-related, so it can be anything. Like, for example, the one we had before was... Um, have you ever embarrassed yourself when asking a girl out? <laughs> so any question. At all. Any question. All right. Let me think about this. This is a bit of on the spot here. <laughs> what is your favourite alcoholic beverage that isn't beer or wine? Yes, brilliant. That will do. Thank you very much. No worries. And that is where we will cut ties for this episode. Sunday's game against Crystal Palace at home should be a belter. And with people thinking that this could be a boring mid-table clash, I strongly disagree. With the two play styles that the teams on question here implement, I think we could be in for a really, really interesting attacking affair here. And as a football fan, that's all you want to see, isn't it? As well as your team winning. On another hand, I'm so glad I introduced the non-football-related question because I think it honestly brings up some belters. Thank you for joining us on this occasion. If you want to check out HLTCO's channel on Twitter, I'm sure many of you already have because if you haven't, you are truly missing out. Trust me. Um, And that is all we've got time for. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe on all your podcast channels if you haven't followed us on twitter already make sure to check us out at 7500 to halt and up the villa Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.